0: Hello everybody and a welcome once again as we continue on in our Bible study that we're doing in uh, the book of Matthew and, and really working through the entire New Testament together hopefully in the uh, weeks and years that lie ahead unless God moves us into a different direction at some point I guess every time we finish a book we could, we could change course but for now I'm, I'm uh, pretty settled on moving through Matthew and moving into Mark so uh, and how many of you have any idea how many chapters there are in Mark? Sixteen, Very good. Do you know why we know there's 16? Because of that joke I tell you all the time about the pastor who says to his congregation, go read Mark chapter 17. And he asks them how many of them have. And they all go, I have. And there is no Mark chapter 17. So always be careful uh, of the trick questions. Um, which, of course, is why no one responds when you ask them to with questions because they think it's a trick. Unless, of course, it's Sunday school where the correct answer is always Jesus. <laughs> which is a whole other joke, but nonetheless, let's, uh, let's talk about Matthew. We've been working through the book together, and um, by reading it in context, you get to see a lot of things that you don't normally see, and by studying this way, and I'm fascinated, you know, we picked a day uh, a long time ago and just started this thing, how things hit certain days. Like last week, we were talking about the triumphal entry because we were in Matthew 21. In Matthew 22, now I think this is funny, in Matthew 22, there's a the chunk of Scripture where they asked Jesus about paying taxes. Don't you think that's funny? <laughs> that we're on April 15th? So that kind of stuff, just like, well, that's funny. That's, I think that's sense of humor stuff, you know, because we've stayed on task. We've been moving through this thing. We didn't certainly try to arrange to have that happen. So I always get a kick out of that. But I find if, if you are faithful to establishing some sort of Bible reading pattern, that that stuff happens all the time, because that's what God does, and and uh, you'll see it when you you'll you read something and you'll I mean, you'll just go right through it, and you'll be so glad that you just read it, uh, that that you'll be blessed. I was uh, on on God's Daytimer. I, I just posted a little while ago for those of you who get God's Daytimer. It's a almost daily email that I do. It's probably four times a week uh, when it's all said and done, and uh, I, I just post on some of my reflections and stuff. And I was reading Romans 12. This uh, uh, today, earlier, and in, in verse 9. I'm off track. I'm sorry. This is a bunny trail. Uh, it says, Love must be sincere. And then it goes on in the following uh, 12 verses, and it gives a description of sincere love that, that I'd encourage you to go read if you've never been to God's Daytime or go. But it says, you know, hate what's evil, cling to what's good. And it, and it gives this list of what sincere love looks like. And it's, uh, it was such a eye opener you know, I've read it lots of times, but I, I felt led to just write down uh, all the things that it listed there, and I, I, I talk about that in God's Daytimer, and then and now there's this list of what love looks like, and it's it, it doesn't take long to go, uh oh, <laughs> that's not I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, and and uh, see, but but by applying its Word into our life all the time, uh, we we get to see all sorts of things that happen in the process. So let me get back on track and out of that bunny trail and uh, into the the discussion. At hand. Now, uh, throughout Matthew, what we've seen is we, we started at the birth and we've seen how God moved in that and then the miracles that took place. And then we, we see uh, Jesus going and being baptized. We see the temptation and the events that took place there. The Sermon on the Mount, remember, I keep going back to it because really in Matthew it's pivotal. And in, in the whole sort of ministry of Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you need to know that as a sermon. On the Mount. Matthew 5 has the Beatitudes in it. But it undoes all of the religious teaching of the Pharisees with that wonderful statement you've heard it said, but I say to you, and he gives them the exact opposite. But he's breaking down the walls and the barriers to get people back to God. He's, kind of, he's saying, I, I, I'm He, and this is what the relationship was intended. It wasn't a bunch of rules and, and regulations, it's relationship. And the Pharisees had made it impossible to have relationship with God. Now, they'd done that, and we talked about the Pharisees, it's important to know, because they're a big part of the Gospels, and especially in the events that are happening now. They were trying to protect Judaism from being uh, Hellenized, which means from, from falling under Greek culture. And, and so, the way they had done it, they'd been around for a couple hundred years, is that they had um, come up with all these rules and regulations. Now, there's another group we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, and those are the Sadducees. We haven't talked about the, the Sadducees much in Mary, but they're... They, they were more aristocratic than the Pharisees. And they, so they held a lot of very high positions, and yet the Pharisees were more respected by the people, so the Sadducees had to deal with the Pharisees. But the Sadducees had been impacted by the Greek culture significantly. And so to the point where they really didn't know Scripture any longer, and they doubted things like the, the resurrection from the dead, afterlife, any of those things. The Sadducees didn't believe in them they'd become very secularized because they had been twisted by greek culture so you so there's extremes see so you get the pharisees who tried so hard not to be influenced by it that they'd lost god and then you see the sadducees who'd completely influenced by it and they'd lost touch with god and jesus comes into the heart of that and says no i'm i'm god and and this is this is the relationship that you need to know and have and so um he presents himself to Israel, to the religious leaders, and he not only tells them who he is, he backs it up with signs and wonders. They choose not to receive him because he doesn't come in the package that they were looking for. And, and even though Jesus' ministry continues uh, as he heals, uh, we see a shift over time, we've talked about that, where his healing is, is less done to verify who he is, which is what it was all about in the beginning, and more about being moved by compassion uh, on people and the Pharisees increasing their attacks to get him silenced and to ultimately have him killed. That's what are moving towards. But because of all the ministry that Jesus has done, he's a pretty popular guy right now. It's about to change. Over the next few chapters, we're going to see it change drastically. But last week, we saw him come in to the, to the, to the sort of rapture of the crowd. They were just enthralled that he was there. Jesus was here. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus goes to the temple. Last week we saw that, and he cleans it. And and he 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 gets the get it back to a house of prayer, which was what it was intended. He uh, immediately the blind and the lame come into the temple where he heals them. And I told you that was huge because under the the rule of the Pharisees they weren't even allowed in the temple. The people who desperately needed God couldn't get to him, and because they had commercialized the whole process. And then in Matthew twenty one, there's these series of stories that Jesus uh, tells that lead into it that all sort of uh, are done to expose. The real nature of the Pharisees, so because people are going to choose the Pharisees here shortly, but they're going to have to do it knowing what they're doing when they choose it. And so Jesus tells the the, the the about the Pharisees that the the Pharisees don't they haven't produced fruit, and that was the story of the fig tree that they they don't produce fruit in their in their ministry. Um, they have no real authority, and he demonstrates that by the fact that they can't answer questions uh, that that where they need to take a stand one way or another they just don't. Uh, and that was with John's baptism. Where did it come from? And they couldn't answer because there was no good answer as they could see it. And so they refused to answer. They had no real authority to make spiritual decisions for Israel. And that they didn't care about the people. And and uh, we saw that in, in the whole way that they had commercialized the, the temple and all that happens. Now, beginning in verse 22, Jesus is going to continue this expose. So let's read uh, Matthew 22 And I will read it to you. It should be there in your notes. so You can follow along in your Bibles. It's in the New International Version in your notes. And the pulpit Bibles or the NIV as well. But you can read in whatever translation or paraphrase you're comfortable with. Matthew chapter 22 beginning in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, We know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brothers must marry the widow and have children for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh, that's, I'm just, that's, that's a wicked string of some bad luck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I must digress for a moment from the scripture. Uh, but choose not to say anything more. Okay. <laughs> 28. Now then. After the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but they will be like angels in heaven. We'll talk about that in a minute. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus wins. (laughs) At least the debate. So they'd stop debating him. Okay, so there's some fascinating stuff in there that I want to talk about day if if i can get through it so he's he's continuing to expose the pharisees for who they are and and the sadducees and and while i said the pharisees and the sadducees really didn't get along most of the time they have called a truce because of jesus and together they they hate him worse than they hate each other so they're they're combining their efforts they figure together they can uh, take care of this jesus and they they first uh, tried a battle of wits and they, they lose really bad and so they have to go and make some other arrangements which they're going to do they're going to move to treachery soon um, and bribery and all sorts of other stuff and flat out lying uh, to get what they want and remember those are the, that's the religious leadership and the the potential see it's always sometimes we're surprised. When um, people get caught in stuff and we think, how could they do that? And yet, when you're, it's not hard to get off track when, you're, when you think you're moving in the right direction and it gets so twisted over time that it's hard to see the truth and the light in what you're trying to do and you start justifying things. Whenever you begin to justify, you're in trouble. And, and you, you've heard me say justify, rationalize. That, that Once you start rationalizing, that's what you're telling is rationalize and it's not the truth. And, and we, we have to be aware of it. And they were just into it so deep at this point that they refused to see Jesus for who He is. Most of them. Now, some of them knew. We get pictures of like Nicodemus, who get some of the You know, there's always a fringe that gets this, but most of them were just they weren't willing to give up what they thought they had established, or their place, or their power, or their authority for the truth. And in so doing, they were missing God. I mean, you, you know, you think about the irony in that these are the ones who're supposed to be leading people to him and when he came they 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 refused to recognize him because of their not wanting to let go of their place and their power and their position in the process and so these um, parables are all about what the pharisees are really like and and uh, in Matthew 22 in that in the first 14 verses he talks about this this wedding banquet and uh, he's looking at the day when he comes into his kingdom. And uh, this marriage feast would have, would have been a very common illustration to those who were there. And basically, those that were invited refused to come. He's talking about the Pharisees. See, they were invited. They, they the, Jesus came and gave them the first invitation from the Father. He, here I am. And they said, no, we ain't going. we we got other things to do. So He you know, says they went about their business and went and did their own thing. They could have cared less. That was what they just wanted to do. Their own thing. Does it sound like anybody you know? Like maybe you? Don't we all get there sometimes? Right? That's, that's us. So so that's the issue. Hopefully we repent and, and we move on. Um, so they're going to be replaced by others, good and bad, who respond to the call of the king. And see, that's what it's all about. Remember, I've told you throughout this thing. It's about why he keeps going to the children and he keeps calling the children to him and they keep coming. It's a picture of him, the king calling and people responding. And, and because children were recognized as not really counting by the religious leaders of the day, every time he did it, he was making a huge statement. And so he continues in that process. And uh, uh, the, the story about the guy without the wedding, no one can crash the feast. Uh, it's for the people that are called and accept the invitation. And and so that's a whole picture of you know someone sort of think well I belong here, which is what the Pharisees kept saying, but they refused the invitation to go in the way that was provided. And so we we see this uh, dynamic at work where um, the 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 marriage feast when when Jesus the bridegroom comes for the church his bride, um, the the people that are there will be those who've accepted Christ in the process who've already uh, you know sort of come in to to that whole process and. It'll be out of relationship and response to the call, not out of any sort of works, rules, or religions that take place. And, and uh, that's what he's going with there. And so in verse 15, we, we see that they're desperate. By this point, they're, they're desperate, and they're just totally trying to trap him. And, and they're afraid of the reaction of the crowd. And so what they want to do is they want to get the crowd to turn against Jesus. And I think it's fascinating that they go after money. See, there's scriptures about money and God. It's a, and it's still it's a big deal today. It's the it's often the battle lines um, in in our lives. See, because you can't serve both. The Bible's very clear about that. You can't serve God and money. You can't. And yet, culturally, it's tough for us because culturally, money keeps slipping up here over God, and we keep putting our trust in money. See. And that's why when things all fall apart on us, if your trust is in money, it looks like it's, it's just, it, you know. And yet if your trust in God, well, then he sees you through the process. And so we have to make that decision. But it, it's often the, the, the real test of where we're at is how we deal with our money. Is it God's money or is it our money? Is it God's stuff or is it our stuff? And, and that's where the line gets drawn. Now, he, so they're trying to attack his popularity and so they come up with this question. Now, get it, these, these guys are sitting around thinking of things they can trap him with. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Now, uh, paying taxes was no more popular back then <laughs> than it is today. Um, it's something people don't like to do. Um, and particularly then, they, they, the, the tax, so the money was going to Rome, which they didn't like, and the tax collectors would always hit them for double or triple what they should have been paying anyway. And so they were. So they they hated the tax collectors. They hated having to pay taxes. They wanted to um, be in their own setup with their own, you know, the whole deal. And and so the question is really well aimed at the process because they think they got Jesus trapped. Because first off, if he tells them, no, you don't have to pay taxes, then Romans are going to hear about that and he's very popular. They're going to come and squash him big time, which they'd have been happy with because that would have alleviated the problem. Let Let the Romans get him, which eventually they have to do anyway. They have to get Rome involved. So they think, well, if he tells them that. And if he says, no, pay your taxes, well, then the crowd's going to turn against him because paying taxes is not a popular issue. And you can relate to it. I, I kind of get a kick out of the fact. It's like, um, you've heard me say sometimes, when I'm, when I'm in certain places and people don't know me, and if they find out I'm a pastor, everything changes rapidly. I think the only thing that worse people might find is he work for the IRS. <laughs> and then that, that could just change real rapidly as well. Um, so, so I'm not sure, but, but anyway, they come up with this great question and the wisdom of Jesus is so amazing. And he, and he just, he asked for a coin. I I love it. Like I I want to, I need a $20 bill. Anybody got a 20? I don't have one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I got nothing. I just wanted a 20, Um, but some of you knew that up front. You know, uh, Jesus takes that coin and he says, "Well, whose picture is it? Caesar. All right. Well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's." He's just saying, "Listen, this this can't be the issue. They're trying to hit you in an issue that that's it's it's you know. Look, if it's all God's anyway, then then moving into the flow is a is a better situation. Now, don't get me wrong. We, you know, you know, it, it's okay to." Uh, to make sure the government doesn't get out of control, all right? That's certainly reasonable, and and yet there's, this process is like, listen, don't let that be the key issue in your life. So he's he's uh, he's dealing with it in a very real way, and the the Pharisees just leave because they have no, they thought they had him, and he gives a perfect answer. Oh no, they can't believe it. So the Sadducees decide to take a take a turn, and. Um, it's really the first time we see him in Matthew. They've been mentioned, but, but uh, not much. And so um, here they come in, and like I said, they, they're the aristocrats, and they've been thoroughly changed by the culture, and they're really not hanging on to the Scripture at all, but they have power and, and position because of who they are. And so they, they, you know, they, they'd be like the people who change their viewpoint depending on the polls. How about that? So that would be your description of the Sadducees. What the, what the Poles want, that's the, that's the kind of people they're going to be. What the peep, so you get, you get the sort of person, okay? So, um, so they're coming and, and they want to try and get Jesus because the Pharisees haven't had the issue. And so they come with one of the ridiculous questions that they have. See, this is the kind of Sadducee conversation they would have. And they come up with the, with the woman who had been successfully married by all the brothers, which, you know, is a, is a weird story anyway. Uh, and, and, you know, who, who would know what that dynamic looks like? But nonetheless, um, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Is there a question? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. So the, the, the questions move. They're just trying to trap Jesus in the process. And, and it's he, he so amazing. Because if the Sadducees had, had any understanding of the Old Testament and the Scriptures, they would have clearly seen that there's a future life uh, when a person dies, that he continues to exist. I mean, it's, it's, it's evident throughout the Old Testament. And um, the Sadducees though, believed it was ridiculous because they believed that death ended a man's existence. And so, uh, you know, when he talks about the... Uh, in heaven, he said you're going to be like the angels. You don't become an angel. But the angels didn't make any more angels. All right? They, they didn't procreate; they were created beings. That's not going to be the issue anymore. Uh, and and what the relationship looks like, I'm not sure. But it will be a different relationship. It's not that you won't know people; you'll just you'll. But there's no pain, sorrow, tears, none of that stuff. So so it's all going to work out. It doesn't really matter what that looks like. It's not the question um, that he was going around. He said, "And you're missing the point." And and this is what he says: it's fascinating because he makes a statement and he quotes. Uh, a statement God makes uh, uh, to Moses at the burning bush. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so if the Sadducees were correct, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died and were no longer present anywhere, the words I am would have been I was. Do you get it? I was the God of Abraham, Isaac. That's not what God says. I am. It means that they're still there. There's There's a definite life past this one. And, and that's the issue he's coming to. He's really challenging their entire belief system and their silly question at the same time. And so that's the point that he's trying to make. And, uh, and so the Sadducees, they leave too because they can't, they can't get it. And so now a lawyer comes, the Bible says, in Matthew uh, 22, 34 and, and following. And uh, it's it, one of the Pharisees, uh, a lawyer at the time, was an expert in the law, in, in oral and written law. And so he asked Jesus to name the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus responds by quoting from Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Which uh, he says, you know, encapsulates all of it. If we do that, then everything else is going to fill into its spot. And so it was a a really good answer. And then Jesus asked them this question. He says, well, uh, because they're still standing there pondering his decision. Well, what do you think about the Christ? Or the Messiah. Whose son is he? And the Pharisees answer correctly David's. Then Jesus said, How is it then that David, speaking in my spirit, calls him Lord? The point is that, especially in the Middle East, no human father would call his son Lord. For the culture, the son always uh, showed deference and respect to their father. And so uh, David's descendant is clearly more than human. And uh, he is, in fact, as the Old Testament foretells, the son of God. Only if David's son is God, is his God, then David's acknowledgment makes any sense at all. And they, they, were, they were just completely stunned. And at that point, they decided they were going to stop this game and uh, go do something different because they couldn't win. So, so the point that, that Jesus makes by asking that question, he's saying again, because these are the things that he says that, that you need to know. He's, he makes the claims to be the son of God and, in effect, God. And, and that becomes the issue as we move towards the end of the book because he's going to end up, uh, that's where they're going to say he's blaspheming. Even though he's come all along and proved to be who he said he was by demonstrating it over and over and over again, they refuse to listen. And so they push it to the end, take it to the cross. Now, of course, they think that the crucifixion is a victory for them. We know it was a victory for us. And uh, that sometimes life, sometimes the path to life looks like the path to death. Uh, and yet it was indeed the path to life for all of us. So that's Matthew chapter 22. And uh, next week we will actually be in Matthew chapter 23. And we get some more parables. And uh, uh, there's some fascinating stuff comes up. And it's uh, Matthew 23. Go ahead and read it. It's the, the woe to the Pharisees chapter. And he, he finally lets them have it pretty good. He's been, he's been answering them. But he's going he's gonna to finish up this expose pretty convincingly next week and, uh, and really let it all out there about what the Pharisees are like. So read ahead on that and uh, be ready for that next week. And if you're watching by video, um, uh, uh, we're glad that you were with us. And if you're up in Williston, they'll pray for you up there. Scott and Pam Will, if, uh if you're here, we're going to pray for you here. If you're, if you're somewhere else, um, you can go ahead and email us or call us or write us, and we'd be happy to pray for you. But uh, thank you for being a part of this today. Those of you guys that are here, why don't you pass me a prayer request. And I will pray for you before we call it an evening.